Hi, I'm Artie Desport. Welcome to the High Note Podcast. And see. Nailed it, Artie. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right, I think. Uh, hey, <laughs> welcome to the studio, the 1600 Studios. Uh, Hank, how you been? I've been good. I've been uh, trying to keep busy. It seems like it's been a while since me and you sat down. It has. It, um, life gets in the way, and we haven't been able to do things. And you're such you have such a busy schedule yourself. So yeah, you know, filming and the marketing side of my life has taken off, which is good. That's great. And I'm in a big project right now for State of the City of Ocean Springs. Nice. And we are winding down, so it's got to be edited and done by April 20th. Oh so. wow, that's uh, next week, right around the corner. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. sure you're well aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> but let's dive in. So uh, I always like to start it off because this is your guest. How do you know Artie? Artie and I have known each other. I don't, I don't know if I can really say where we met. It's just kind of always been there. I mean, Artie was when when I was young, um, he oh, was, uh, and he was, was young. <laughs> he was just, he was just, a, I was just a few years younger. Gotcha. Than Artie, but Artie played in a band, a, a, a legendary coast band called Substantial Evidence. I've heard and of that. Substantial Evidence was that was big stuff. That was, I mean, you guys were the bomb. You did it, and and they, uh, I'll let him tell you all about it. But but we had met back then. I think Pat Gill was playing bass with them, and had some other legendary outlaws that were uh, <laughs> really good tell us tell us about that tell us how how did substantial evidence get together and you guys were in school weren't you you were in yeah, Bloxy high or i was in the high? ninth grade i had yeah. played in a little rinky dink band and uh we broke up and uh there was start substantial evidence and they asked me if i wanted to play which i hadn't been playing very long you know and uh, my guitar was bigger than me <laughs> and uh I took and went in. Ray Zola was a disc jockey, and so we That's went right. into Davila X and practiced in there. And we got it together and started playing little gigs here and there. You know, they didn't want to pay you hardly nothing. We right. worked for nothing, you know. And then uh, we started getting a little more popular, and then we added another piece, which was Ted Tears, and he sang soul music pretty good, so we fit him right on in. Then we started getting a lot more gigs, and then we come across our manager, which we never had a manager before, and he was putting on a, a major uh, stadium show in, on the coast, and he went into the Carmen Massey Music Store, which was famous back then. It sure and, was. And uh, he asked Mr. Carmen Massey, he said, I'm looking for local talent for this show. He said, do you have any ideas? And we were in there walking around. We'd staring at everything we wanted, you know. And he <laughs> says, "There they are over there." He pointed. He said, "No, I need, I need some talent for the show." And he says, "That's them <laughs> over there." He said, "That's a bunch of kids." He said, "That's them over there." So he got to talking to us. Of course, we we're all going, "How much money? How right. much money?" You know. And uh, so he come to hear us. We played at the Teen Club on the bass. I was going to bring the legendary Teen Club up as well. Yeah, and he come in, and uh, he heard us, and when we got through, he come up to us and said, I need to talk to you all again. We said, well, what is it? He said, I didn't realize you all were going to be as good as you were. He said, are you all interested in having a manager? Well, we never even considered ever having a manager, man. We were glad we were playing, you know. Right. And he said, would you be interested? And we said, well, we'll kind of 
you know, what cut are you going to get? How much are we going to get? That was what it was all balled down to. <laughs> and he told us, he said, well, I'll tell you. He said, I'll keep you booked. You won't work a night under $100 a piece. So, man, we never even dreamed of that, you know. So yeah. we got with him, and we were we were on, on a roll then. He booked us everywhere you could imagine and bought a big old motor home, and we traveled up, up the East Coast and down to Florida and stuff. And we just played all the clubs down here. And stuff. Then Camille hit, you know. And uh, we lost a couple people because of, of Vietnam, and they got drafted. And uh, we added a horn section. And uh, from there, man, it just went wild. I mean, we started playing all these high dollar places, you know, and all these balls and proms and all this stuff. And he kept us busy, man, for years, you know. And we did good till he got in politics. And then we kind of had to depart with the man, you know. So mm -hmm. uh, part of us stayed together and part of them left, you know. And we remained together until, shoot, all together. I think we were together seven years and uh then we all kind of split up. Everybody started playing other people and that stuff. And, you know, that was the end of that band. <laughs> Starting with others, you know. But, but you guys did records, too. Yeah, we made a couple. You know, I don't think we were the Beatles or anything, but it helped get the gigs, you know. We we uh, made one, Death Angel, which, yeah. which uh, the drummer's brother actually wrote. And uh, we had another one on the backside, Please Welcome By, which the other guitar player wrote. Then we had one crazy one come out called Hang Loose Mother Goose. You, you got know? soul. Yeah. And, <laughs> I remember and, that. Uh, then we had, uh, if you look into my eyes, and then, like I said, we had went to Muscle Shoals and recorded. I think we had 10 songs recorded, and we needed a couple more. We were going to have to go back to finish it, and we split up, you know, and that was the story of that one, you know. Muscle Shoals, man, that's historic. Yeah, when we went in there, we were still kids, man. We didn't. You know, I'm talking. I was a little bitty thing with a big red guitar, you know. But uh, we walked in there, and the guy recording at the time, we had to sit and wait, was Leon Russell. And we didn't know who Leon Russell was. Wow. You know? Wow. And that was kind of a trip after we found out who Leon Russell was, you know. But, but it was pretty cool, you know. I, I never, something I never thought I was going to ever do, but we ended up doing it anyway, you know. That's really cool. It was a good way to grow up, you know. Then I, then I grew up, got old. <laughs> <laughs> so the late all. 60s, so you were there at, at Muscle Shoals late 60s. So uh, it, Yeah, I think we were there at or, 68, I believe okay. it was, you know. And like I said, I got in the band in 67, I think it was, yeah. and we played around. And like 68 on, it was wild, you know. I mean, we were, we were traveling everywhere, you know. Our manager would make no money. We didn't make any money, so yeah, we right. stayed booked, man. That's you know? true. Right, right. It was kind of like him, you know. He ain't got time to sit down. That was us. <laughs> <laughs> we, was, we was setting equipment up, taking equipment down, putting it in the practice hall, taking it back down, getting yeah. ready to go play the next gig. And he, you know, it gets to you after a while because sure. we wasn't one for little amplifiers. You know, we had stacks. We, if, back then, if you had a Super Beetle, man, you was really something. We had five of them, you know. So. Wow. And you know we had when we got the horns and all stuff just kept growing and getting bigger and getting bigger and that's why I can't hardly hear anymore. But <laughs> you know, but it it was it was exciting, you know. And like I said, it's it's past, but still could think about it here and there, you know. But 
Well, you had personnel changes too, didn't you? I mean, didn't Oren Elutaris come in and pl- yeah, stop playing well, drums for the, y'all? And- yeah, the drummer, he's which lives in Denver now, was Ray Zoller. Uh-huh. He uh, he quit, and I don't know why, but he quit. I think he got in an argument with the manager or something, and, mm. and pulled uh, Oren in. And uh, like I said, then there was a few people getting drafted and stuff. So after Camille, we played the garden room. And we added four horns, which brought the sound up really. Oh, well, I remember uh, seeing you. This was also the time of blood, sweat, and tears, and yeah, and, and oh, Chicago, Chicago those and all that. Horn and like I said, when we added those in. horns, man, it just the sound yeah. has increased, you know. And it, so we got a lot of gigs from it, you know. And it put us on TV a few times, and you know, we was in Billboard magazine. And, Fave magazine, That's sixteen cool, magazine, man. and all that stuff. You That's know? legit. Win a date with Artie Desport. Yeah, <laughs> Tiger B. Give you my autograph later. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I don't have to stand in line. I still have to stand in line to get his autograph. We, this is tough. We, we played uh, the year before last at uh, for the reunion for upstairs, downstairs. Right. We never ever played there before, but the, our sax player did, so they let us in the show, and. Uh, we we played that gig. It's the first time in fifty years. I had to pull the bass player out of his recliner chair, and I called, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I, called him, I called him up one night and I said, "Listen, you get your equipment. We're getting the band back together." He said, "What is this, the Blues Brothers?" I said, "No, <laughs> no man, said, this is for real." I said, uh. "My other guitar player, he was had a, a bucket list. He was, got cancer real bad, and uh, he wanted us to play." Well, that fell right in our hands because we didn't have to worry about all the equipment and stuff because that show was going on mm-hmm. which he couldn't make it and when it all turned down and then uh ray the drummer he got sick and was in the hospital so i ended up getting uh uh i had to get a drummer and all of a sudden me and terry ryan had to do the singing ricky bond set in from second class citizen right. which saves the day thank god and uh, did Pat Pat Gill play? Pat played. Uh, but I had to teach Pat how to play again. He he had put that bass down and he couldn't remember the notes. Really? So I bought him a snark, put up on a, yeah, on a, set. a snark if tuner. You, if you right. think you're not playing the right note, look down there and you'll see where you're at. And just pick it up and start practicing, man. I said, That's so, a good idea. Yeah, so we practiced at my house and I tried to show him the bass parts and he, he picked it up again and we. We pulled the gig off, you know. I don't know if I want to do it again, but we did it then. Was it you know? was it fun? Yeah, but I mean, because it, it sounds like the learning curve was pretty. It was really nerve wracking getting started because right. all of a sudden one of them said, "Oh, we can't do this. This one can't show. That one can't show. We gotta stop this." I said, "Wait a minute." I said, "You know, before there was five of us, there was four of us, and four of us are here." And then Raymond got sick, and I said, "Well, they went the other one." Yeah. So I asked Ricky, me and Ricky have been friends forever, and I asked him, I said, would you be interested in playing a gig with you? Sure, man, I always wanted to play with you. This was the last shot, man. I said, after this, there's no more. Right. So you play with substantial evidence. So yeah. we did it, and like I said, we practiced at my house. I got all this equipment and stuff in there, and the only thing that had to come was Ricky's other set of drums, you know. And we did this once a week. It took forever to get everybody back to paying attention going to practice i, I said yeah I, there's I said, a discipline to it i know i told him i said you know i'm i don't want to be the manager i just want to play guitar but it looks like somebody got to step up to the plate yeah. 
So guess what? I guess it's me. So I'm going to be Brad, the manager now. So <laughs> y'all just shut up and listen to me. We're going to play this gig. I sold all these tickets, man. I mean, it was expensive tickets. Yeah. And I, I remember like, that. I'm yeah. not letting these people down. They've come in to see us. I'm selling the tickets. We're going to be there. Right. If I have to duct tape y'all and drag you down there, we're coming, you know. Yeah. And we did. It come out pretty good. You know, we wasn't the Beatles, but they didn't throw anything at us while we was on there. Unless it's monies and granny panties, it's okay. Huh? Yeah. And we had... uh we had a couple of groupies that showed up. I think they were somewhere around 80 years old, you know, <laughs> but they were nice. She, one lady carrying this record through the whole thing. They should run to the stage. I got to have y'all's autograph. I said, what is that you got? She said, your record. I said, really? Where did you get that from? <laughs> That's wow. awesome, though, man. I thought it most of them floated away in Katrina, you know, but I don't know. But, but that says a lot. Fun. That does say a lot. Somebody held on to that, and they, they heard you It means something to them. You touched them. That's a pretty cool feeling. I advertised on Facebook because I knew everybody that come to see us pretty much. So I advertised, and I took and the tickets. And I sold the tickets to the people that came to see us. Yeah. Now, Rat Miguez and them was playing, and they were great. You know, they really yeah. were. And But their crowd wasn't our crowd. So I made sure our crowd was there. And I, I did a good job. Well, that's a it. smart thing to do. That was very good marketing yeah. on your part, too. Yeah. And it, it, like I said, we started, everybody come to the stage because they didn't think we were still going to be able to play, I guess. <laughs> <But> <laughs> we pulled it off. And like I said, it, it come out okay. I don't think we made any albums or anything, but right. but well, it worked out. I know that you you mentioned, you've said the Beatles a couple of times. What's your inspiration in music? Well, man, everybody grew up listening to the Beatles, you know. Of course, Eric Clapton and uh, Hendrix and all that stuff, you know. We we kind of changed somewhere down the line. We, we was... We was mixed up between soul music and Jimi Hendrix, if you could figure out where that well, is. That, you but know? that was Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Soul well, music yeah. and rock music was Jimi Hendrix. He was yeah. a product from that playing with the Isley Brothers and all those cats. What's back. crazy about Jimi Hendrix? Didn't he die at 27? Yeah. Gosh. And there's a there's that, that 27 club with yeah. uh, him and Morrison and Janis Joplin, all, and Robert and, Johnson. And that girl. Uh, uh, gosh, oh, yeah. Uh, Amy Winehouse Amy, like, and all that. All 27. Yeah, that's crazy. So, but see, like, see, just to I'll, think the impact that man made, because you hear Jimi Hendrix, he's part of American culture now, global, global culture, really. And he died at 27. He wouldn't hear that, that no, moment, but he made a big all. impact. People, uh, Artie knows this, people don't realize the impact that he had. Nobody had played guitar like that before. Yeah. I mean, and and since then, there's others that have, that have uh, uh, manifested into guitar. their own style and stuff, but it comes from Hendrix. And, and I, it, I'll hear young people say, I don't really care for Hendrix. I don't see what's so big about him. Well, it's like the Beatles. There was nobody else before them like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these guys paved the way. There was there had to be somebody that just was out there, and I mean, he was on Mars compared to everybody else. He was from a different planet. Hendrix was playing all this stuff that rhythm and and lead at the same time, and his chops, and you know, uh, even at the the end, the Banded Gypsies record, where it was it was toned down in terms of theatrics and all that kind of stuff, but he played his ass off i mean he just played and so before, before that you had to have a pompadour and shake your leg you know because you yeah. had to be elvis you know so gotcha, gotcha i didn't get into that stage <laughs> thank god but it was after that right but he, and you mentioned he mentioned the uh the teen club well the teen club was the 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 youth club out at keesler Oh. and it was it was i i was there i grew up there yeah, i mean everybody I, grew every, up there we right? grew up there and and david cole janet's brother 
had uh David had gone in and painted. Remember all the these black light paintings in very in the very back of this place was the, the picture of the Beatles, the four of them, and and then and then there was Jimi Hendrix and and Morrison and all the musicians of the day, and it was like this really cool vibe for teenagers, and yeah, for and young teenagers just come about, you know. So. Yeah, and but all the bands, and I remember you guys packed packed they packed it out, and it was just. Uh, a couple of bands, but it was also a good place, I think, for uh, bands to perform and get started as yeah. well. Miss Baldwin took care. Miss Baldwin us. was great. <laughs> Jewel Baldwin. She was. I probably shouldn't say this, but I will anyway. It was you know we we're all teenagers, fifteen, sixteen years old. Of course, drinking age back then was eighteen. So, uh-huh. you know, you figure twenty-one year old they're sneaking into clubs. Well, we were pretty much doing the same thing. She did. <laughs> yeah, and and so so it was, and I was on the teen council. You know, which was, I don't know what that means, but anyway, I was on the team council. So Miss Baldwin had uh, some, it was Christmas and she had some punch. And she said, Hank, have some punch. I said, no, nah, I don't care. She goes, no, really have some punch. I said, I, I don't want to punch. I'll see where this really going. have some punch. And I tasted it. It was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and she just sat there grinning and Wait, smiling. Wait, you were what, how old? I was like 15 or 16. Man. Yeah, times have changed, but it's the way it was. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, to get into the clubs, and I probably won't name them, but uh, all you had to do was have a piece of paper that said how old you were and let you in. It's awesome. We played in Ocean. It was. We played at Ocean Springs where the community center is. Yeah. And Oren was drinking Boone's Farm wine, <laughs> and they arrested him during the break. We had to go get him out of jail no. to finish the gig. Yeah. To finish the gig, you bailed him out. I said, "Hey, I said, you where's Oren?" They said they took him to jail. How did he get what? busted? They just some. They, he had a rent a cop. Of course, song? we all had vans, you know. But he had a Volkswagen van, and he's out there, and he's drinking Boone's Farm. <laughs> And they arrested him, man, and put him in jail. Rock and roll, baby. That's right. Welcome to the world, man, of music. That's hilarious. But did you guys play the Fiesta or the Beach House or any of those places? I played, first off, Wayne Sharp was playing at the Beach House. So I wasn't old enough to go in. And they had a fence behind it. And we stood at the fence to listen to him play it. Really? And finally, one night, I knew Frank Shank because him and my brother was friends. But Wayne says, Frank, is it all right if they come sit in? He said, yeah, as long as they don't drink, which I didn't drink anyway. So he let us come in. That was on the Easter weekend where we played. And they didn't want us to stop playing. Nice. I mean, it, it, they were going crazy. I mean, I, I was like, wow, this is, <laughs> we didn't know it was going to be this good, you know. Well, he hired us after that. So we played there for a lot. And then it come to the point to wherever we played down the beach is where the crowd came. So we played there, we played the Vapors, we played the Fiesta, we put, you know, just, you know, we played the garden room. The garden room, we'd have anywhere from 2,500 to 3,000 people there. You know, I mean, it was, it was like people was coming in, they were having major fights because the <laughs> Ocean Springs, Biloxi, Diablville, yep. none of them got along. Right, Gulfport. We had to re- redo the bathrooms every time we played. They tear them up they tore the toilets off the walls and stuff wow, fighting you geez, know dumb kids they had to hire we had to hire we had like 15 cops hired we only supposed to have a couple we had 15 we had an ambulance waiting outside <laughs> <laughs> i'm serious i mean it got, i know it got, you are it That's... got crazy but it got to the point where i could go anywhere in around on the coast without getting beat up you know but but that's the God. way it was back then and then 
I mean, but they would come anyway, and they're getting in, and one of them didn't like the other one, and so he's fighting, and then all of a sudden this one's fighting, and that one's fighting, and everybody's fighting, you know? We just play it, you know? See, <laughs> and right there, that's the best thing, one of the best things about being a musician. You're on stage. You're not in the middle of any of that stuff. You're up there, and you did the right thing, and they always told me, keep playing. If something happens, just keep playing. And I've been involved a couple times around it, but not like you, not like this. We played the Airman's Club, which Ray's daddy owned the Airman's Club, well, run the Airman's Club. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was the manager. He told Elvis he wasn't going to make it, you know. So he told, he told us, we asked him to play, and he said, no, not y'all ain't good enough. So when we got good enough, he wasn't supposed to. Now we're going to talk money, you know. That's right. Now you're going to pay, you know, so... We played in there, and I just had this thing with the Wawa pedal. When I turn it on, I go, I didn't know what it was going to cause. Well, they had a thousand airmen in this place, and they had beer cans standing up, make stacking them, you know. And when I played those notes, it started, Don't Call Me. Mm-mm. Oh, really? I, oh, the Sly and the Family Stone yeah, song. And, and then the white one started screaming back at the oh, black one. Oh, no. And then Ted pops up, starts playing. Everybody started fighting in this place. I'm talking, we just play it. I mean, it's, there's tables flying, beers flying. Everywhere. It, was a, <laughs> it's like, it is <laughs> like the Blues Brothers. Yeah, it was nuts. And, and watching them, they're grabbing them by, two of them at a time by the neck and throwing them out the door and stuff. And they told me, don't ever, don't ever play that. I said, you got it, man. I had no <laughs> idea it was going to cause this problem. But The song was a very controversial song that Sly uh, and Family Stone did. And Sly Sylvester. It's it, kind it, of racial, but yes, it went it back and forth. A black man in a rock and roll. It, his band, they were, they were a kick-ass band. I mean, the band Sly and Family Stone really killed it. But oh, that wow. particular song was <laughs> racial appetite. Uh, you know, don't call me. Mm. <laughs> And don't call me mm, the other side, and it just oh, so, I gotcha. so. But it was gotcha. really good on the wah wah pedal. So <laughs> that's what I. You were just I, thinking I, of the music. Yeah, right? I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to start a war. But, uh. Oh my lord, that's great stuff. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize just how much commotion you guys. Oh, I know. Uh, I, I played down in Florida, and I was really I had coughing really bad, so I had a bottle of Robitussin back there. So I'm turning around, I start coughing, I take a dip of it, put it back down. Well, they all looking at me. My hair was, it's long now, but it was really long, you yeah. know. And they thought I was on something, which I didn't do anything. You right, know? I right. didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't do drugs. I didn't, and they looking at me, well, in the middle of that thing, they had a narcotics raid in the place. It's called the White Sands. I'll never get, and they start throwing out pills and bags and all kinds of stuff on the floor. We're just looking. You know, like, <laughs> what is this? We, we was innocent, man, but. I don't know. It's crazy. Well, times, they didn't. Man. They didn't try to arrest you for yeah, it. Just, no. I just have Robitussin. They went in my Robitussin, but I... <laughs> wow. Yeah, you could be on a poster. You know, kids, don't take Rob- Robitussin. It'll lead you down the wrong path. <laughs> Say no to Robitussin. Say no. Say no to Robitussin. That's but it was crazy, a crazy man. ride, man. It, it was. It was a lot of fun, you know. And then you did other bands after that. I remember uh, Wolfat, right? Well, Wolfat was Pat and Ted and oh. Raymond. They were three. And what peaks. was Ted, Ted Tierce's uh, his other name that he, he that he goes Emmett by? T- Emmett Dooley. Emmett T. Dooley. Emmett T. It started out they had a, a contest and it, and it had thirteen letters to fill in. So he figured out if he called himself Emmett and put a T in the middle and Dooley, which his name was Tierce, he he had filled in all the blanks. So. He, he changed his driver's license, everything, Emmett T. Dooley. And when he got married, his, his pawn in law told him, look, 
we don't want a bunch of little dooleys running around. <laughs> so you can call yourself Emmett T if you want to for the tears, but you're going to be a tears. You're not going to be a dooley. So he changed <laughs> no, his part funny. back, but he still plays a little bit. He has a lot of problems. He's oh. doing a lot of, you know, chemo and stuff. Oh, I'm sorry to hear Ooh. that. He was a uh, he was a, he was a he was a big deal. Ted Tears. I mean, he I remember play. he had a. Uh, you, you, I don't. I get maybe. I'm thinking it was you. Maybe Ben Wolf had. He was doing Zeppelin. They were doing Zeppelin stuff, and uh, uh, he had that red, white, and blue SG Gibson guitar. I remember it, and just then the cat and, could play. Me and him started the band after that one went down. Called, she uh, Itchy Brother. Itchy Brother, right. Well, Itchy Brother was a really, really freaky band. This is kind of back before Kiss and all that oh, got started. Oh, that's right. So, so we're we talking about the, 70s now? Yes. We yes. did the whole makeup the, thing. The theater, and uh, Kiss, and uh, so, and, and So my dad, my dad loved Kiss. There was a lot of people, Randy Frierson, a lot of these people loved Kiss. Mm -hmm. when, they came on, when they came out, was that a big deal? Was that like, wow? Because I've heard it it's was. almost kind of like a cult following where... You know, I watch them now, and of course, I was born in the '90s, so I see. I've seen a lot of things afterwards, but like, was there were they the start of that theatrics with rock and roll? I, Actually, Alice Cooper, I yeah. believe, started it a little bit. Yeah, but he didn't carry it to extremes. We did, you know. Right. <laughs> and we had all these crazy clothes and all. And Ted wore this purple cape. You mm -hmm. know, he had turquoise knickers, striped <laughs> socks, platforms this high. <laughs> he uh. You know, he, he he sang this song he wrote called uh, Shoot an Arrow Right to the Center of My Soul. Well, we had these crazy uh, roadies. One of them was a firebug or something. He He's the one that created the flash power that Ted Nugent used. He's the one that invented it. He knew how to do it. But anyway, he worked for us. So at the end of the night... People would start leaving. We played. We was playing at the beach house. People would start leaving, and they kept coming back later and later. I mean, they they one at two o'clock in the morning. They're walking back in, filled the place up again Jeez. to see the last song. When he sang that song, the last of that song, I had a, a, a fiberglass bow. I had a, a candle burning on a thing with an arrow with all these. Uh, uh, Q uh, not Q-tips, but cotton balls on yeah. And it was waiting. So when he sang that song, he stood on this one spot, and I shot him across the stage in the back with a burning arrow. And he would flame, jump through a stack of uh, speakers, and they'd all crumble, put the head on the floor, of course, but just knocked the cabinets down to where it caught the stage on fire at the, at the, <laughs> at the beach house, burned a spot out of the wall. But... We couldn't quit playing. We had to continue to play, even though he's burning on the stage. Because when the cotton balls are so soaked with lighter fluid, when it hit him, the whole cape was blazing. I mean, he was burning. Holy you know? and moly. We had the guy from the, from the warehouse. He come to see us. And this wasn't planned. This is something I thought up during the day because... He was coming from the warehouse because he had heard about us. The warehouse was a was a, a big club in uh, concert place. A Every, warehouse. Everybody in New played there. Orleans, right? Everybody played there. I'm talking everybody played there. Hendrix. Well, and he was gonna he was gonna hire us to back up another band to get us going. Well, I shot him with that arrow, and when that went off, smoke bombs blew up. 
police lights come on, the thousand watt light bulb spinning around, blinding the heck out of you. People was running, man. I mean, I didn't know if I killed him or not, you know, because on the way I thought of this and I said, I think I got a, a good thing for this show. And he'd go along with it. He didn't care. So I made this board that fit the back of his back and it strapped around him so it wouldn't hurt him. And it was real thick as from an old house, you know, a real thick board. And you couldn't see it. And we didn't know that his, his cape was fireproof. We didn't know this at the time. So I come there, and on the way down there, I stopped at the little store, Angelina's, and I, mm -hmm. I bought some lighter fluid and some cotton balls, you know. And we got there, and I said, listen, man, when you sing that song, just turn your back towards me, and I'm going to shoot you in the back with this arrow on fire. <laughs> oh hey, I, I promise you, my mother's grave, we never, ever practiced it. And I had to shoot him a pretty good ways, you know. I Jeez. So I there's chances of missing and going well, back of the head. Or well, I practiced, oh. I practiced all day at work, you know. I'd shoot it through these doors in the place. And we got there. Oh, my gosh. And everybody was waiting to see. Boy, the crowd was intense, man, waiting to see this. Because did they know that this was something was going to happen? Or was this a total They knew surprise? we was going to do something, you know. Gotcha. But they wasn't sure. But, but I, I mean, these people brought me these fiberglass bows, man. I mean, it was powerful bows, you know. And I didn't barely do it. I mean, I drew back. I, I was shooting through a board that was over an inch thick with target arrows. It was splintering it, you know. Jeez. So, so, so this I, had an arrowhead. Wow. Yeah. Well, when it hit, he caught fire and he dove through the speakers and he just <laughs> laid there. It burned. He had these body stockings and all. It burned a slap off of him, you know, and he wouldn't move. He just laid. Oh, no. And everybody in the audience ran to the stage and they had a doctor from Keesler. He says, look, I've been out of keys from a doctor. Can I look at him? And because after it, after I shot him, it just went like crazy music. Dan it, dan it, dan it. And he's everything smoking, blowing up and all. Until finally the, the last note rang out and fed back, you know. And he says, can I look at him? So I walked over and I kicked his foot. I said, Ted, are you alive? <laughs> Ted, are you alive? And I said, come on. And he come on up there and he goes, Sir, are you okay? And he rolled over. He says, Emmett Dooley, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and he shook his hand. And the guy says, y'all are slap crazy. And the guy oh, from the warehouse God. says, how do y'all fake this? I said, who's faking, dude? This is on the spot, man. Oh, And my I, I had to do this continuously through the whole band. Then we were fixing to come out. With, he put, wrote some crazy song, and I was going to go nuts with hatchets, and I was going to put these bands on him with stage blood and cut, oh, him, cut him up. It was getting crazier and crazier. But he only trusted me to do it because he knew I would worry about killing him. You know, the rest of them probably just kill him. Oh, my so, Lord. <laughs> I, I think that's the best story we've had on the podcast yet. That, I'm sitting there visualizing yes. all this happening. It was nuts. And I kept thinking, like, when you like, okay, I had this arrow and I shot him. I'm like, okay, it's like this arrow with some Q-tips at the tip. This arrow had a, had an arrowhead on it <laughs> stuck into some boards, some thick board. But I would never trust anybody. And... It just sets you aflame. I know, and then the climax of, "Hi, I'm Emmett." <laughs> nice I know. To meet you. We we played in, in right there at the uh, Goche line, right there by the bridge. They had some kind of uh, museum or fort or something was back in. Well, they had this big thing. Had all these bands playing. Well, we were going last. We was loud, man. Your ears would bleed. We were so loud, you know. And uh, 
But yeah, I'm up there, and they they see me come in. I got a guitar case and a bow, you know, and I'm walking in. Boy, they all gathering around. They waiting to see this. So, man, I got the arrow soaking in the in the light of fluid, thing blow, <laughs> burning on the amp, you know. And we played that song. And I drew that arrow back, and the cop grabbed me. Oh, Stop. no. Stop. I was kind of glad because the stage was up high, and all I could see was people's faces. Oh, so, oh gee. So if I missed Ted, I was going to kill somebody, you know. And I was nervous, but I was going to do it, you know. I, I, this is all for show. Oh, so, what's the, oh. so the cop stops me, and he said, that's it. It's too loud. People's complaining. And he turned the whole thing off. So I took the arrow. It was on fire, and I threw it over my shoulder. When he hit the stage, the stage caught on fire. He stomped it, and his whole leg caught on fire. Oh, no. The cop. And the crowd was cheering. He was burning. <laughs> <laughs> it was nuts. I said, man, I'm glad I ain't got to do this anymore. I said, I'm really wow. worried about this, man. It was getting too nuts. But he let me do anything, man. He didn't care. I said, he said, only you. He said, I wouldn't trust these other ones, but I'll trust you. Me and him were cousins, you know. And I said, I'm glad you feel so safe with me because I'm nervous. <laughs> Can you imagine mm -hmm. uh, you're Ted and you know that you're going to get shot in the back? Aboard, yes, but still you're going to get shot. I, I'm, I'm big into camera and, and film right now. I had right to now. shoot him by, from where I'm at to the, to the wall. To, to we need to make a movie of this. We need to make a movie of this, it was of, of all these stories. Cause That's that crazy. Could you imagine? No. Oh my gosh. Well, I I dyed my hair white, so I had white hair down <laughs> the back. It was nuts, you know. I mean, it really was. I don't know. We survived it, though. I didn't kill nobody, thank God. <laughs> you I know, yet that I ain't shot nobody else since then. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. That was that. That glam was that was itchy brother. You said itchy yeah, brother. Yeah. That was the glam rock. They called it glam rock. Gotcha. It was it was like like uh, Artie was saying. It was the like Kiss and 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 uh, Alice Cooper. Uh, Alice Cooper. There was a uh, the New York Dolls was another band. Uh, when David did Johansson. when did Black Sabbath come on stage? They were about seventy seventy one, weren't yeah, they? they were Somewhere in there. So they were part of that kind of because I remember. He well, they were just goth they that was they kind of ushered in that new prince of darkness prince yeah. of darkness oh, yeah man uh, well man. then we got to another band Woo, here we go again and this band was called nasty nino <laughs> and uh billy devries billy? and, uh -huh. and uh, uh, bobby latiel and uh -huh. bunch of, well anyway we played and and everybody expected something so i made him these roller skates the singer and he had a green and red sparkler behind each one of them and a red cape. And he was blind in one eye, but he had six eyes painted on his head. And he'd come out, he'd come out from the back of the building twirling a sword. And all these bombs are going off, you know, and these fire, big flames and all that. And went to this massive pot full of black gunpowder, man. I mean, it was it made, I made it cylinders where it'd go up and form and go to the, to the ceiling and down the walls and the floor and then cover everything. Well, he comes skating out. He didn't tell me that he couldn't skate. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, he come oh, out. Shit. He come out and he's doing this. Whoa! <laughs> he falls right over that pot of that gunpowder. He just did back off of it, and it blew. Oh man! Oh man! I said, "Geez, Hardy, have you written have you written a book yet? <laughs> have you you got to take these stories and put it down? I mean, these are it this is crazy. entertaining. Rolling Stone would love it. It'd be like a column you could write. I'm telling you, you I'm column. I'm already thinking of like a movie script right now in my mind, and we can capture the story. Nuts. 
Because that is wow. After that, we just played music again. We didn't do all that. So that was like a, how many years of of glam rock would you say you participated in? Well, I quit playing when I was twenty eight on stage. I, I had my business and I couldn't play the gigs late at night and be at work early in the morning. And so well, I guess that was twenty five, twenty six, something around in there when I was. Uh, so uh, let's see, I graduated in seventy. So I guess it was. Probably 75, 76, five, six years later, yeah. you know. Where'd you graduate from? Uh, well, I was supposed to graduate from Bluxy out. It's another story. So you're Bluxy yeah. Gotcha. And uh, my hair grew too fast, you know. Mm -hmm. So we ended up, the four of us sued the school board. We're the, I remember we're the, that now. The first case of, of a, a band suing the school board for the length of the hair. I made front page all the way to New York. It Times, was a big man. deal. Hey, I'm talking... They hated me, you know what I mean? They really did. But I went to register, and they held me up, and they said, uh, I'm sorry, y'all can't go to school here. Well, we were told by a lawyer that if one of us got caught, all of us remained in the, in the opening day of school, all the rules and regulations. We couldn't do what they wanted, the hair off your ears, and off your, you know, your hair was everywhere. So anyway... We had our motorhome parked outside of school with the net side of the, the band was all on the side written there. And we had our lawyer in the bus and our manager. So I had the, the principal and I had the, the uh, what the heck is it, the head of the school district. The superintendent. Here. Yeah, well, and anyway, they're all in the office, man. They're getting down. So excuse me for a second. I'll be right back. He said, where are you going? I said, I'll be right back. And I went out the door. And I waved to them, and they said, who is this coming? I said, well, let me introduce you, man. This is our manager. This is Brad Thompson. And I said, this man is our attorney. He's Robert Aceveda. And I said, he's going to talk now. And he said, well, I'm sorry. We can't do what you want to do because they just released a record, and they didn't look good with their haircut. So we're not cutting the hair, and we're going to school here. And he said, no, you're not. He said, yeah, we are because I'm going to file an injunction and you're gonna have to live with it until it comes to court that's all just keep canceling it you know so we keep our hair well they hated this so bad got a book in the in a class in the car one morning and i asked if i could get the book they had ordered to send me to the to the uh truden officer downstairs he was bad <laughs> well anyway i went down and he said what are you doing here dust for us i gotta my book out of the car i'm all greased back trying to trying to get along you know and he took and he beat me till i bled man i mean oh, what he gave me he gave me so many licks and i said hey coach you know back there i ain't got much of a behind you know i said how about giving me a break so i'm rubbing that and he wrapped me behind the legs and drew blood and I, I turned around and flipped him off told him to stick the school up his ass i'm out of here and he said you come back here i said screw right. you coach i'm out of here so i left i went to notre dame Notre Dame had a hair length into your waist at the time. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you remember Geelan Doswell. I do. Geelan was the approved hair length, you know. Wow. <laughs> so I went to school there. And I didn't go to school too much, but I went to school. Right. And like I said, that's the end of those days, too. Thank God I made it through. I graduated. I don't well, people go don't back. remember how, how I graduated Biloxi High, how it was. The, it was you, the hair cannot touch the top of your ear. Or your shirt collar. So this was this was couldn't I, touch I guess your eyebrows. Like, I remember in culture after World War II when they came back, it was like a 
it was like a society of rules. Like you had all these guys come back from the war and there was a ton of like rules and, and society kind of followed them. And then you had once the sixties hit and just kind of like that counterculture. Yeah. The, they revolted against it. Um, it's that's how, you know, that they didn't realize that them being the government or being the establishment haven't said that word in a long time <laughs> that, uh, you're you're only making a recipe for danger because if you set the rules like like Marlon Brando said in in the movie The Wild One he goes he goes he's asked what do you, what are you uh, rebelling against he goes what do you got yeah and that was basically it so but that they were responsible they uh, for the Hell's Angels they were just a bunch of army veterans coming back from World War II that didn't want to be stifled by these rules oh, i did not know that and That's music as well i mean a lot of hendrix was a paratrooper he served in vietnam john fogarty uh uh credence clearwater revival he was a, an, in the army oh, and wow. was in vietnam a lot of these guys they knew what they were talking about they weren't just screaming you know hell no we won't go they'd already been so anyway that's so Artie's spot Not on notorious with that. yeah wow. yeah and so so now we're we're in the 70s what was what was the 80s so you said you had you went you stopped because you had a business what was that business i owned uh desport and sun seafood me and my brother yeah so Junie. all the restaurants ah. and the casinos yeah, when i heard desport of course i you know i right i've and Junie I played thought, your brother played in bands yeah right? my it, brother played back before me him and popo the mayor right yeah they played they had a, a band called Junie and the chantels they had horns and stuff right and so fofo plays yeah Oh, they, I did not know they, that. They uh, they played cherry pie. They, yeah, they played up at Ole Miss, and they played around Ocean Springs and stuff. But they never really got into it. They drank more than they played. <laughs> but <laughs> but they had, they it, had happened, fun. it happens in the music business. <laughs> but they had fun, you know. I mean, oh, they, yeah. oh, they yeah. cut up. Well, and, Junie always had fun. And Popo still every time there's a band in Biloxi on that first uh, Friday. Yeah, the, he gets up there and sings uh, Louie Louie and all this stuff, you oh, know. Yeah. It was it was crazy. Frat band. They left their equipment in our house, and we had a room in the back of the house. And when they'd leave it, I'd sneak in there and go try to play. I actually played drums before I played guitar, you know. But everybody started complaining because they don't want you to beat on drums all the time. So <laughs> I said, well, I got to find something else. So I picked up the guitar, and I learned how to play guitar, you know, and I – did you teach yourself? Uh, pretty much. Uh, I had a few people show me things, but like I said, it was just a long road, you know. Yeah. I have a question, might be a personal question, but when you were going through this music and, uh, you know, saying telling the school, you know, to screw off because of the hair and things like that, like, what were your parents? My your... mother was right behind me, man. Awesome. She was she was all for me. My dad wanted to whip my behind, you know, but gotcha. cut that damn hair. Well, one time I actually cut it. I looked like Donny Osmond, you know. <laughs> and, and him yeah. and my brother was bowling at the uh, beach bowling alley. Yeah. And I walked in there and I sat down behind them. I mean, right behind them. They, they didn't, didn't know. know who I was. Mm -hmm. I'm talking, I was in there a good 30 minutes or so. And then my brother come by drinking a beer and he looked back. He said, Artie, is that you? I said, yeah. My old man see me. He says, Jesus, you look terrible. You need to grow that crap back. <laughs> <laughs> and he never asked me again, you know. But they, were they always used to it. Were they always supportive of your music career? And, and you, My you, dad didn't understand. My brother did because he played, you know. My brother started coming around when we play. And Is he younger? 
or older? No, he was older. He's older. He was five years older. And uh, he'd come around, we'd play, and he, he had a good time, you know? Yeah. And uh, my dad couldn't understand. Well, when I finally got rid of the manager, old man showed up at the beach house. They had so many people in this place, man. You couldn't breathe in there. And they had a, a circular dance floor, and it was just packed, you know? Well, all of a sudden... I'm looking in the crowd, and I'm starting to see it open up in the middle. I don't know what's going on. It's my old man doing this crazy dance, the F Troop, he said. Oh, wow. <laughs> he got, the he TV him, show, he, F Troop? He had them all doing it. You know, I was looking. What he said, you know, this is all right. I didn't know this is what you were doing. I said, what did you think I was doing, you know? <laughs> he probably saw you were doing it, and, like, you know, some people say, oh, musician dad, and, like, you know, it's like little things, but seeing the crowd and seeing the reaction from them. Right. He probably was like, the moment. This, is, this is serious stuff. Well, I mean, he, uh... I come home one night. I had to play a CYO convention for a thousand people or so, you know. And some crazy girl come along, and she said a few things to me, and I said a few things back. And she hit me in the head with a bottle of rocking chair, laid me out. Man. Really? Gee. I smelled like a brewery, and I don't drink. So I go home. I was still living at home then. I was young, and you know? my old man says. Where the hell you been at Orhouse all night? I said, I ain't been a been a CYO convention. You know? Close CYO. <laughs> no, he couldn't understand. He says, So what are you doing? I said, I just played music for the priests and the nuns, you know. I said, that's all I did. I didn't do anything wrong. I don't know what you're doing at night. I just don't understand. Oh, that, that's that's it. So then at the beach house, they got robbed. Easter weekend when we were playing there. And it, for some reason, I always bring my guitars home. Everybody left the guitars there. I had the James Gang. I oh. had the, the ones, uh, Headlighters. I had all these people. They left all their guitars on stage. And they got stolen. And they all left. And well, we left ours too then, you know. They broke in. They stepped over their guitars and stole ours. A Firebird, a 335, oh. a, a Cougar bass, oh. a, a whole set of Rogers drums, and all the microphones. And all. So I got a gig this weekend, and I... I didn't know what I was going to do. I had to have some equipment. So I went up and I asked my old man, I said, listen, I need to get some more stuff. So they stole all my stuff. I said, is it all right if I go get this and you just sign for it and I'll pay for it? I'm not asking you to pay for it. He slapped me in the mouth. You know, what are you crazy? Uh, I said, look, dad. I said, I'm not asking you to pay for it. I just need to sign for it and I'll pay for it quick. So I did. My mama went behind his back and signed for oh, it, wow. so I, I got all this stuff. So I paid it off really fast. He said, so how are you paying for all this, you know, so quick? What are you selling, drugs? I didn't even know what drugs was, you know. So I, I said, Dad, I said, I told you I've been playing music. I said, I work for you because you need me. I said, it ain't for the money. I could make three hours, which you pay me in a week, you know, yeah. or better, you know. And I said, so, you know, I'm just doing it to help you. And he says, well, what do you do with all this money? So I took him back in my room and I opened up the closet. I said, there's 48 pairs of bell bottoms hanging up there. I said, the other side's full of these shirts. I said, they're probably $200 a piece shirts. All those boots on the floor is a couple of hundred dollars. I buy shirts, pants, boots, and equipment. That's what I do with my money. Yeah. And he says, I just don't believe that. So I play the guard room. Another one, well, I mean, it was packed. And everybody pays you at ones and fives and all that back then, you know. Nobody had any big bills. 
So the manager would come up while we were playing and hold up this stack of money, man, just holding. We all looking like, wow, you know, we're going to do good tonight, you know. Well, anyway, he, he come and paid us. And so I got through. I walked in the house. I said, I can't resist it. I turned the lights on. I opened up his bedroom door. I said, I just want to show you, Dad, what three hours to do when I go do that instead of doing it with you. And I threw all the money in the air. It went all over the room. He says, what did you do, rob a bank? I said, no, I played music for three hours, Dad. I said, not bad, huh? And he's just looking, man. I, I, I just can't believe it. That's when he come to the beach house. Uh-huh. And he, he had a different. And he said, well, oh, now I see what you Right. And you made a believer out of him. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's a really good story. That sounds like a movie in itself I as said, well. Yeah. I said, Dad, we got a following, you know. I said, they like us, you know. I said, I don't know if we anything great, but they followed us. They like us. And he said, I'll see now. So. Y'all need anything? Said, that was good, you know? But that's great that he, the, you know, your dad, daddy realized that yeah. what was going on, and uh, well, rather did. than spending the rest of the time and when wondering. You, and when what you say you work for your dad, was that seafood? Yeah. So, so yeah, y'all, yeah. so there, there was a seafood, uh, Desport Seafood. My great great grandfather started it. Gotcha. Because I, I mean, this—that's a cultural iconic. Yes, it and, is. And, I'm, and I've never known the history of and, it. I just and know it filtered down. So I, at ten years old, I went to work with my old man. You know? Gotcha. And I worked then until I was sixty-three, fifty-three years. You know, we worked together. My, my old man retired when he was fifty, and he uh, he ended up selling. We formed a corporation, and me and and my brother, my dad, my mother. And we bought them two out, me and my brother. And we had it for the rest of the time until, I don't know what year that was, uh, oh, 07. My brother died of esophagus cancer. Mm-hmm. I had a major heart attack and had a heart transplant. So oh, wow. things really slowed down a lot then, you know. I mean, I couldn't do what all I wanted to do, and I had to kind of back off and, smell the roses for a while you know so but we hung until just uh i was 63 and i retired did you so i was going to ask musical influences within the family did uh, your brother played but your obviously your dad or your mother didn't play any instruments or didn't have any inclination my dad loved to sing and he sang really good, but he never really sang in public until he got a few drinks in and right. he would sing, you know. Well, that's a lot of us. Well, my brother <laughs> my brother was playing at Gus Stevens with a band, the first band he got in. And the old man said, come on, we going. So we went there. Well, they played older stuff, ebb tide of all things. Well, that was my, that era, my, yeah. My old man says, you know. That sounded so good. I could see the she the seagulls shitting on y'all. While y'all <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just followed in the footsteps. I didn't get none yes. on me, you know. <laughs> wow, that's great. <laughs> wow, that's I've never heard of that. Yeah, it sounds so good. The seagulls are shitting on you. Right it's there. one of those. Uh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I like, appreciate it. Um, um, maybe I think. Yeah. Wow. Those are. Do you have any of your equipment? Uh, yeah, still? I still got a ton of it. She asked me, "What are you gonna do with all that?" And I still got Marshalls and crates and fender amps and uh, I got made in America probably riders yeah. and uh, she. I got all, I got mixer boards from God knows when the Mayflower the come big, over the with big the big knobs. knobs. Right. I still got it in the in the top. I had the Super Beetle until Ted come down and asked right for Katrina. Let me see that thing. Why don't you sell it to me? I said, No, I don't want to sell it, man. And I took the head down and put it on the floor. Well, Katrina, I had water to the 
ah, to the darn uh, facial right. boards. And it went under. You know, as much as I uh, kept looking at it, I hated to do it, but I had to throw it away. You uh, know? But uh, I got eight guitars and keyboards and yeah. PA systems and all that stuff. I just, I can't depart. It's hard depart to let it go. Me. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's a, it's, there's, I get it. It's trinkets of the past and some, sometimes. It you, is. It's a link to the past. Yeah. It's uh, well, one who time you we, were at one time. Yeah. One time we played a lot of Santana and stuff. So I played Congo drums, bongo drums, timbales and all. So I had all of that crap too, but I got rid of the drums. I didn't have a room to put them in the house, you know. Yeah. I got rid of them, so. I just beat on the table now, you know. So. Now what what's, what's your passion? Uh, guitar? Yeah. Guitar's your passion. Gotcha. Wow. I, and I go see, I, I don't get up to, I, every now and then they get me up, which I'm kind of shy now, I guess. I don't know. But when I get, and I hear them play, I know I can do it, you know. I mean, I, I know I can play it, you know. I'll go home and I'll play it, what I just heard. But I, my ear's good. I can, if I hear something... I can use no. Do you, do you or do you play by ear? Yeah, play by ear. Wow. wow. And I, but I can hear it, and I can you know after just a second or two, you can hear. You know how it is. You hear it. You know. And yep. I, I yeah. can play it. I, I'll get home. She says, "What are you doing?" So I got to play for a while. I got to play for a while. <laughs> so you know. I don't think it ever leaves you. It's still under the under the skin. Yeah. I just I don't think I could put up putting up. He's got the right idea. He don't have to put up a nobody, you know. Just, you know. <laughs> and like well, I said, I don't have to pay anybody any more money yeah. than the, when they ask well, for you, it. Or you ain't got to worry about when they're going to show up. When they're going to show up, that was the big one. I don't know. Just Sando, uh, do you know? I, I want to know if you knew my dad because I remember hearing him tell your name, Bill Hill. Played in Coast, the band Coast. Yeah, I remember Coast. His, I never got to hear him because I was playing myself. But. My dad, because I remember when we were starting this podcast, he's man, you got to get Artie on there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember certain names. And I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. But I've heard your name many times as well when I was younger. There was written on the wall in the post office, too. I was born. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good picture of you, too. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You're, that, that whole podcast right there. We can organize it and make a movie, a oh, very yeah. entertaining movie. Oh, yeah, it was the, a wild the, ride. The freaking arrow got me, man. But like, wow. I guess that's why I had to have a heart transplant. <laughs> 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 I had so much under my under my skin, man. I, that, that just put me down. I, I had four houses underwater and a business underwater. Yeah. My brother was dying with cancer. Yeah, the that's an quit. awful lot. They all had to put the, and I just fell out. I couldn't yeah. do it, you know. And, sure. But I'm sure. still awake. Yes, you are. Like bad grass, man. I keep coming keep back. Keep coming back. Know? That's before, one of my favorite sayings. Before we adjourn, I just want to know, when it comes to music today, or 2023, and you see the music, I mean, do you, do you like to see where it's heading? Do you feel like the best music was in the past? Like, What would you say? I like some of the music today, but I'm using stuff from the past. Gotcha. I, I think the music was way better back then uh, than it is now. There's, I mean, there's a few that's good. You know, it's Guns N' Roses, ACDC, and a few. I liked all them. But some of these groups, to me, it's a waste of vinyl, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it, really, it, I just don't see it, you know. I, and she she likes to listen to some of it. And I've, I've listened to it because of her. And some of it, I, you know, Green Day and stuff, I like them, you know. Uh, uh you know, just some of them just don't make sense to me. And rap, they can flush that down a toilet, man. I am no use for that. Right. Well, the the the, the term uh, or the idea of a rock band is almost archaic. Yeah. Today's music 
it isn't like there's bands doing it. It's mostly whether it's a form of R and B or whether it's a, a solo singer or wh whoever. It, uh, the, the idea of a four piece band on the charts it doesn't. It's not happening. I know. And so it. But when it does, makes you scratch your head. But when it does, it's like ACDC and yeah, and, and like. But Everybody there's no new. crazy, you know? It's like they never heard of something like this before. But, but yeah, right now, yeah. I felt like we just went through a, a with some of the music that you hear on radio nowadays that are popular. It's got that 80s feel, electronic, really heavy electronic sense. And yeah. I feel like things come back. And I feel like you're going to have that era where people will pick up the, the instrument again as a group and play and make beautiful music and people will be like wow i haven't heard that in years i respect what they're doing even though they're new like, well, Gre it, like greta van fleet like they're yeah getting big and they sound just like led zeppelin right and i i listen to it i'm like wow that's a that's a breath of fresh air to see guys who are younger than me i'm 32 playing boy you old <laughs> but <laughs> I'm what i'm 71. saying <laughs> but what i'm saying is like it that's it's got to come back because people don't want to just well, listen to machines all the way it, it, it i think it will i think you're right but uh in what form will it come back i mean it, 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 one thing people either seem to either love or hate ed sheeran well i like him personally um but he's a guitar player a singer songwriter and there's plenty yeah. of singer songwriters out there and there's plenty of bands out there but i'm talking to make it to the charts or make it in a mega way yeah you know he's one of the guys that is is perpetuating it that's keeping it going yeah it's, i mean you know, he, well, I've he's, seen him he's got the he's got the flame and he's going to pass it to somebody else I've, when he gets to i've be seen him old. loop like where he does a he's, he's a genius at so, it. He's, it's absolutely amazing it. and, I, and that's is some of his music overplayed on the radio yeah and when i hear it i'm like okay that's aggravating because well, you hear it so much yeah. but you know that's where you, the haters come in, but when it comes to what he's doing, I'm like oh, I respect that wholeheartedly. Yeah, I, I yeah, and and like talking about the musicians, you could show me right now the top ten Billboard list, and I bet you I don't know who yeah, half of it. Or, or if I know who they are, I don't know the songs. Yeah. Now I do have a question for you too. When it comes to musicians younger than me that are wanting to live that dream, you got any words of inspiration for? Them? Yeah, keep trying. <laughs> keep trying. Keep trying. Yeah, yeah. And try to yeah. be original if possible, you know. But you know, you, you got to please the crowd. It's got to have some kind of. To me, it's got to have some kind of beat to it. And I mean, if it's just, uh, you know, there's kind of there, and I don't remember what they even did, you know. But if you got something that's kind of clicky and got a beat to it, you remember things, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, he he's great. I mean, he really is. I, I I heard him at the Ground Zero, and I couldn't believe it was just him. I mean, really, he's really great. Well, that's very kind of you. I he just, is great. I think Hank is a wonderful, wonderful musician and in person. I just yeah. spent a wide for me and her to go see Guns and Roses. Man, oh wow! How you got to give blood to go in to go see Guns well, and Roses? That's the other thing. How much these concerts Whew, cost? I'm telling you, man, I can remember not playing hardly anything and going to. See, I see Wishbone Ash. I've seen everybody, man. I've seen Journey before it was Journey, you know. Peter Frampton before he was Peter Frampton. Right. And I don't know. I just seen, you know, I've seen so many. I had so many T-shirts at one time. Yeah. And I was skinnier then, you know. I, I wore smiles. And, I, I, man, they don't tell what them T-shirts be what I gave them away. I mean, I had drawers full of them, man. I've been to, once I got a break where I could go, because I really wanted to go see Hendrix play at City Park Stadium, and I had a gig. I couldn't play. You know I mean? I couldn't go. But I ended up with his guitar case. I, <laughs> this is crazy. I bought a, a, a Les Paul uh, Deluxe. Uh-huh. And uh, 
I met this girl who married this friend of mine, and I went to her house, and her, the guy that owned the guitar originally ended up in Parchment. And I said, yeah, you know, I said, I, I bought this Les Paul. She says, really? She says, who'd you buy it from? So I, whatever the guy's name was, I, I told her, and she says, is it in that, that Gibson case? I said, yeah, it was. She says, you know whose case that was? I said, oh, God, whose case? She says, Hendrix at City Park Stadium. My husband threw it over the fence to me. I had to put it in the trunk of the car. They stole well, it? Stole it. Well, I had, I, I bought a, I got a less, I mean, not I got a less ball too, but I, I got a Strats, just like the one he played, the, the blind finish. Right. Well, I had it in there, and that's the only thing, because I had the guitars hanging up. The case got ruined in Katrina. Oh, mm. no. But when I, I think about that, I said, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> but when she told me, I said, you're kidding. She said, no. He made me sit outside and wait. He threw it over the fence to me, and I put it in the trunk. Holy crap. He's in parchment, though. <laughs> I was. Yes. Wow. So I don't Wow. Know. I'll probably go to jail for that. You know. No, no. I think it. What is Statue of limitations. Statue you're, of limitations. You're, 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 so you're, you're good. good. You're, you're good. good to go. Besides, they can't prove anything, can they? <laughs> I think he's dead too now. So. Oh, okay, man, those are some great stories. Great <laughs> stories. Well, stuff. I appreciate you being on the podcast. With Absolutely, this is a great, great guest. Yeah, and I know we're wrapping up season one. I don't know if you realize this, but seasons are usually 12, 13 episodes. This is that is our, right? This is our thirteenth episode. Is it? So we're we're heading to season two. Oh my gosh, we'll have so, to throw a party. I know. So we've yeah. we've actually had. 13, 14, actually, because I'm working on the, the last two and then yeah. this one. So this will be season one. Wow. Do you know Wayne Alley? He's a drummer. I'm bad with names. I know yeah, he plays with Ratnall a lot. He started a, a video deal with all the old musicians on the coast, which oh, wow. he interviewed me and Pat and all this. Back, but back in Ray Fournier's days and way before that, you know, and he's got all that. He's trying to make something up. You and him ought to get together. Oh, yeah. That sounds good. Wayne, Wayne hey. Alley. Wayne Alley. He and he, like, filmed y'all talking about some old stories? or He's got everything. from. He's got George Locke, uh, uh, Hosey. He's got really? Every, he's got everybody, man. Wayne's on there. Uh, and he went to this musician, this musician. And he comes in like you. He's got all these lights and everything <laughs> set up, you know, and, and we we did it. Mark wouldn't talk. Mark backed up. He was scared. Said, Why? What are you scared of? Mark Simon. He says, I don't know, man. He said, I don't like doing that kind of stuff. He put on sunglasses and stood in the back. <laughs> <laughs> but he's something that you might get find some interest in because he, he's still doing it, you know. But he, he travels around. He's got a whole van that he, he redone, and he's on the road with it. He, he played with... Uh, who was the girl uh, that played violin so good was from around here? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, she she was big time for a while. But he played with her for a while, and now he plays with this one and that one. But He's, he's, a, a, he's in Rat's band now? He plays with Rat a lot, you know. Is he, is he my age? Is he what? Is he my age? He's he, uh, probably, how old are you now? 67. No, he's younger than you. And like I said, he... He's been around. He knows a lot, you know. I mean, he knows a lot of musicians, and he's he's. We he, should get a reach out to him. I will. That might be a pretty I'll good look, thing. I'll you look go ahead. I'll, I'll look him up and see in uh, yes Wayne Alley. Yes, but he uh he might be of interest to you because yeah. he, he's got a lot of stuff, you know. 
And he asked me, well, who was back before that? I said, whoo, I was going back, man. Yeah. <laughs> I said, as far as I was concerned, it started with, with uh, Ray Fournier. Uh -huh. And I said, but there was bands before that that, uh, you know, that, that I didn't really know, but I heard of. Right. And I said, my cousin was in one of them, and I said, I don't even know what the name of them were. So, Ray, Ray Fournier, what year, what years was, was he, he on was the scene? He uh, was 50s and 60s, yeah. being called a Rockin' Rebels. Okay, yeah. so that's when you get into Blessie the 50s. that used to be the mayor played in the band with him yeah. also. Oh, wow. Seems Kenny's, like all the, Kenny's band, brother. all the mayors are, are musicians. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know that most of the mayors are musicians. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd say Billy Hughes. Now I know yeah. Fofo. I've heard, I thought about Fofo. Fofo yeah. Um, I don't know about Kenny, but like you said, AJ was, yeah. wow. I don't know if Kenny played anything. You ever want to get in politics? What's be that? a musician. Are you ever going to be a politician? Do I want to be a politician? <laughs> yeah, he'd be no. the mayor of some city. I don't right? really like most politicians, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> oh, Agreed. Wow. I got a big mouth. I say what I please. Hey, you well, know? you know, that's probably, you know, why people. You only have to person. take care of one story, the truth. Yeah, if it, ain't, right. if it ain't right, I'm going to tell you about it. There you, know? you go. Well, thank you so much. For, Absolutely, for thanks, being Artie. On this podcast, and uh, I this cannot wait to uh, edit this and put, let people hear these yeah, amazing stories. That's I can't great. wait to write the description for this episode. It's going to be explosive. Already, <laughs> we got to get a picture of the three of us too, so yes. we can put it on Facebook. They'll probably the... come arrest me when this is over. Uh, no, you're good. No, you're good. No. We got you. Well, I'm Jesse Hill. I'm Hank Berman. Artie Desport. Until next season on the High Note Podcast. <laughs>